dear friends in Christ, despite all that our faith teaches us and what we know, we can't help but feel the loss of a loved one, a dear friend, a parishioner, fellow parishioner. John and Bonnie have been members of this parish for more than 50 years. And so again, we are human and we feel that loss. But at the same time, it is comforting, especially in the case of John and all of those who are well prepared for eternity. It is very comforting to know that he was well prepared. The couple lessons that I would like to convey to you regarding preparation for death, that all-important moment when we leave this world to stand before our Lord to be judged. And one of them is that we must not put off until the last days, weeks, amendment of life, and good spiritual preparation. The liturgy is so beautiful. The prayers that we say, which I hope you followed with the English translation in those little missiles, so comforting and so inspiring and instructive. But there are a couple of prayers that we say at the graveside service. And I'd like to read a short section that has always struck me. It begins, Grant, O Lord, we beseech thee, that whilst we lament the departure of our brother or sister, thy servant, out of this life, we may bear in mind that we are most certainly to follow him. Give us grace to make ready for that last hour by a devout and holy life. What an important prayer. What a beautiful prayer. Give us grace to prepare for that last hour by a devout and holy life. So I started to say that we must be very careful not to put off amendment of life, spiritual preparation to the last hours. Probably about two weeks before John passed, I went to visit him in the convalescent home. So he had been transferred from the hospital to a care home. And I thought, well, I would take a good spiritual reading book for him to have a lot of time. I went in the home, there was already a stack of books, so I didn't need it. I didn't even mention it to him. But I, said, I made the comment to John, I said, oh, you have some wonderful books here. And he said, I can't concentrate. It's too difficult to read and concentrate in his state of infirmity at that moment. And the same thing will be with us. If we have the good fortune, like John did, to know that our end is just around the corner and to prepare for it. The body begins to fail. The mind is not able to concentrate as we can when we are well and in good health. So how foolish it would be to wait and think, well, I will really concentrate when I'm on my deathbed. Then I will really pray and prepare. We might not have the wherewithal to prepare properly. So that's one lesson. The mind becomes feeble. The strength is failing. It's difficult to pray. I just encourage John, when you think of it, just say the names of Jesus and Mary. Another lesson that really struck me in this case is the Holy Eucharist. 
we call the distribution of communion to one who is dying, viaticum, which means food for a journey. Now there's a wonderful chapter, lengthy chapter, in St. John's Gospel, chapter 6. And it is a discourse of our Lord that was delivered in the city of Capernaum one year before his own passion and death. So it was around Paschal time of the year before he died. And it's all about the Eucharist. I will give you my flesh for the life of the world. And our Lord said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall not have life in you. But he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I will raise him up on the last day. Now, John had a stomach cancer, and he was not able to retain food. So I wasn't able to give him communion for several weeks at least. And that was the thing that bothered him the most. He mentioned it to me a number of times. I wish I could receive Holy Communion. And finally, six days before he passed away, he was able to swallow a part of the host without the body rejecting it. And of course I brought him viaticum in the hospital. That was Friday and then he passed away the following Thursday and he was so happy that's all he wanted. You might say that was what he was waiting for. And fortunately the medical staff there were able to take care of the situation where he would be able to swallow just a little bit and retain it. And he just wanted Holy Communion. We, of course, have the opportunity to receive the body and blood of Christ frequently. And what a blessing, what a grace that is to help us to prepare for death, the eventual departure from this world. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has life everlasting and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, in the gospel that I just read, that was sung by the deacon at the funeral mass, it tells the story of the death of Lazarus. Now, Lazarus was a dear friend of our Lord. And of course, you know that our Lord raised Lazarus from the dead four days after he died. And this miracle, which arguably was the greatest miracle worked by our Lord, after that of his own resurrection from the dead. This miracle, the resuscitation of Lazarus, took place about two weeks before our Lord's own passion and death. What a stupendous miracle of a man who not just died, but had died four days before. But one of the things you think about when you reflect upon this gospel story, it brings out the fact that our Lord dearly loved this man, Lazarus, and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. He often dined in their home, visited them. They were dear friends. And we know that when Martha and Mary mentioned to our Lord how much, what a sorrow they had, says our Lord even wept because he loved Lazarus and he wept because of the sorrow they experienced. And we are tempted to ask ourselves, well, our Lord, knew all things. He was a ways away when Lazarus became sick. Why didn't he 
return and cure him before he died to spare Martha and Mary that deep sorrow that they had at his death. He could have done so. And it's a mystery, isn't it? Why does God allow the cross? Why does he allow the suffering, the sorrow we experience? Well, if we had no sorrow, we had no pain, we would become too attached to this world. And this world is not our final resting place. It is only a passage, like a hallway or passing through to get where you're going. We're heading for heaven. And we're not meant to remain in this world forever. Now, John was blessed with a good, long life. He was blessed with relatively good health. An amazing man. He was a rancher in California, a lot of acreage, a lot of cattle, moved up here to northern Idaho in, I believe, 72 or 73, purchased a farm here close to our church, but a much smaller operation. So he'd have a little more time on his hands. So he went to school, became a nurse. He worked the night shift at the hospital for decades, two or three decades at least. And he told me once, well, he chose to work the night shift because he wanted to be able during the day to feed the cattle and do his ranch chores. And John also was a great mentor. Many of our young men from this parish worked with him, and it not only was his summer job or weekend job on Saturdays during the school year, but it was also an opportunity to learn from him, to learn various chores. And so that is a, a good thing for adult men and women to do, to be a mentor, a mentor for our youth. And John did that. So he was known and loved by many. And certainly we shall miss him, but we are comforted by the devout, as it said in the prayer I read at the beginning of this short homily, by the devout and holy life that he lived. He loved his faith. John is always there for parish activities, both liturgical and the church, etc., and as well as social activities, if at all possible. He wanted to be there for everything, and he was. He was very generous donating beef to our seminary, to our convent, good man. 